Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. A visually stunning and conceptually sophisticated film, Space Dog traces the story of Leica, the first dog in space. Remarkable archival footage recounts the story of his selection. Directors Elsa Kremza and Levin Peters powerfully document the lives of his descendants, offering insight not only into the past and space travel, but also life on Earth today. The film, again, is called Space Dogs. And I strongly recommend any, anyone who cares about cinema in a, in, in a way that will challenge you and will open your eyes and horrify you <laughs> all at the same time, this is a film for you. Um, with that, I'd like to introduce to the show the co-producers, co-directors, and co-writers of Space Dog, and that would be Elsa Kremza and Levin Peter. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. I had a whole set of questions that I was prepared to ask you in the context of this being a narrative film. I was going to ask you what inspired your script and all the rest of it. I'm just going to ask you what inspired this film because I'm, I'm not sure what to make of the, in terms of classifying this film. I'll start with you, Elsa. How, uh, what inspired this film? Um, yeah, actually... First of all, I was growing up uh, with dogs. My parents were dog breeders. So when I was one year old, uh, I was crawling amongst the dogs and they were on my eye height. So I could watch them directly in the eyes. And this is something when I started to make cinema, uh, which followed me and which I wanted to, to give to the cinema, basically. Like the possibility to get back on this eye level and to really get a, uh, an encounter with dogs with animals, uh, as I did not know or have it too much in other films. So this was a, was a very big uh, goal for me and the main inspiration to, to make this film. Even what brought you to this project as well? I, I would say the, the, the challenge in, in general. I mean, it was on the moment when we also decided to do our first independent film as a directing duo. We finished film school and we, yeah, we searched for, yeah, for a true, true challenge, I would say. We wanted to explore also a foreign city and, and I could strongly recommend to, to anyone who comes to a, to a city that he or she does not know. And if, if dogs live there, they are the perfect guidance through an through a unexplored part of the city for an unexplored view towards us humans and, and, and towards an uh, urban landscape. So this initial idea I, I liked a lot. So coming down to the eye level and um, exploring a, a new uh, way of, of looking on, on humanity and humans um, yeah, on their eyesight. And this, this I found quite catchy. What went into, or how did you begin tracking the dogs, or how did how did you cast the dogs? I'm not sure exactly how to ask this question, but how did how did you find them? I would really name it as a casting. We went to Moscow. We didn't know the city before. We didn't know the language, so we went just the two of us in the first research. 
um, asking several people on Facebook and all means, uh, do you know where stray dogs live? And then we followed every most stupid hint in the world and just went to some metro station and asked some, some people who make advertisement there, do you know where? And they pointed in any direction. And we just walked and casted for half a year, kind of. And we met plenty of different packs of dogs, of stray dogs. And in the end, uh, it was yeah, by accident a bit that we met this specific pack you see now in the film. Uh, and it was, in a way, love on the first sight. Uh, they were very special um, because they were interesting characters, uh, like movie characters. We saw, okay, they have a potential. And one was very young. Um, and they also, uh, they are in a way um, close, to, close enough to humans uh, that, they, that we could film them, but still wild enough because there are plenty of different types of stray dogs in Moscow. Ones who are very close to humans and they don't move anymore and they, are, they lost a bit their wilderness. And other ones who are mating with wolves. Uh, and yeah, you cannot film them. <laughs> you cannot come close to them. So this was a, yeah, it was a, truly a match when we met them. Did you track them for a little while? Uh, even uh, did you did you sort of know their patterns? Know where they were were in, in this particular case, uh, Leica and and the and the other dog. Does the other dog have a have a name? The the one that seems to be a little hobbled. Uh, does there's there a character name for for him? Probably. I mean, not not officially. Okay. All right. I'm sure you had, but did you track them for a little while to know where they were going to be or how did, how did that work? I mean, from, from time to time, uh, we got a much better understanding of their, of their whole movement and of their whole like living area of their way to move. Uh, after a couple of months, we filmed them over a period of time of like up to three months. And uh, in the beginning, we, we, I don't know, we, we had to like invent everything because we, we did not know how they react on different like um, happenings. And yeah. from time to time, we understood better they have a certain moving time, which is nighttime, obviously, because there's more silence, more space. So it can happen in Moscow and in other big cities that when all the humans, uh, go to their houses that some streets are like really um, yeah, f full of dogs. Yeah. And so it was in their case, like this was the first big surprise also. And yeah, I mean, we, we liked it for, for the film because at night Moscow is truly beautiful, colorful and not as gray as in daytime. And uh, we had much more safety and space to, to film them. There was no, nobody really disturbing us. Mm -hmm. And also they had kind of the same place to, to sleep uh, during the daytime. So from time to time we understood that we sometimes had to wait for a couple of hours to, for them to return, but we were lucky. Most of the time they, they were really like dedicated to a, to a home. Yes. <laughs> this, this is such a remarkable leap of faith on your part to do to do this yeah. without knowing without kind of a safety net as to knowing how the trajectory of these dogs lives are going to go and still 
you know, had enough faith in what you were doing to follow them. And I want to come back to that part of the, of the production of how this film was put together. But I think it's incumbent upon me to ask you a little bit about the idea of the Soviet space uh, program, putting dogs were dogs and chimps were the first beings to be put into space. Uh, it is a remarkable story. The Soviets were the first. They were beat the Americans into outer space, causing this great space race on, on the part of the United States. But it is the idea of putting, you have to put something that's not human. We don't have to, but that would make a lot of sense to put something that's not human into space to see what kind of a reaction there you're, you're going to get. That footage that you found for this Soviet space program is, it takes your breath away. It just when, because with I think with the the distance of history, the perspective of looking back on things, it has a very different feel when you're watching this footage, right? Talk a little bit about this this footage that I'm trying to describe and the impact it had on the making of this film. Yeah, actually, it was a real haunt for this material over years. Um, we. There is a lot of material you can find, which is propaganda material, uh, which is online and in archives and quite uh, okay accessible. But then we also saw, okay, they edited and uh, there are things uh, not inside these archives. So we started our search, uh, which was going really far and we got in contact with the Institute who worked with the space docs back then and is uh, in a moment still working with um, Russian cosmonauts. They are, uh, still training them. It's a yeah, it's a health um, health institution for for cosmonauts basically. And they back then trained the the dogs, and it was a very long process of um, explaining them what kind of film this is, and that it's not a classic documentary where you learn about uh, history or or uh, in a way like how bad Soviet Union was and what they did. That uh, they had to understand that it's a an art film and it's about uh, understanding dogs and not about some judgments on the time back then. And so for us, it was an uh, incredible moment when we could see it the first time uh, in a horrible way touching um, because the images are quite harsh as you saw it. Yeah, and this was, we always wanted to take this material outside of the historical context a bit of the time. And we wanted to really like in the whole film, go to the perspective of the dogs and change this view and uh, get rid of this historic eyes you normally set on old material. So this is what we tried with also with the sound design and how we yes. build it in the story. Yeah, and our goal from the beginning, but this was, the, I mean, the main challenge and then was not easy for us also to be encouraged enough also during editing to, to still believe that this will be one story because in the financing of the film, we often got to this complicated point when like people who, who were deciding whether we will have access to fundings or not, obviously commented like, yeah, but you know, it's a bit of kind of two stories you want, you want to tell. And we, we all the time said, no, no, it's, it's one, it's even one fairy tale. It's, uh, we, we, we will manage to, to bring it together to, to one storyline, but this was not easy because like, it's so opposite what you see. I mean, the Moscow we filmed with the dogs for us is very lively and, and very driven by, by their rhythm. And, and on the other hand, the Institute is such a clean, unlively place. And, but this contrast also encouraged us to, to like 
pull it together as, as strong as possible. And also the, the archive showed us very early, like, like as I said, the two, two main aspects of this uh, whole plan to, to bring them to space. One is the propaganda aspect and the other is the scientific and also the material, how it was filmed speaks both languages because they were choosing dogs by accident. I mean, a dog is an exploring animal. It, it stands for like sensoric uh, abilities. And um, so I would say back then the decision makers were quite clever to, to use the attributes that are, that are there as long as humans and, and dogs are living together and just bring it to a, to a new level and, and make, make the world believe that they are cosmonauts like doing it on their own will. But they were also clever and successful with, yeah. with this plan. And this is what the material shows. Elsa, I'm so glad you brought in the, the sound design and the sound that you use and the music. It ties so much of this together. And it gives the film that... Um, that heightened sense of a heroic tale, a heroic tale of the the dare doing of the uh, of the dogs in space and the the whole and that and then tying it together with the very earthly, with these dogs roaming the streets and as as you mentioned, uh, even uh, the um, the exploratory nature of these animals as well. That's the, there are there are things that bring these things together, but I think the, the narration as well is the is a key element in the film, um, which I thought, again, brings this sort of heightened sense of the story of being more epic and more heroic. It, and the, the decision for you that went into the narration, I've, I've read a little bit about that. You've gotten some, a lot of questions about using narration in this film. Um, what, was it, what went into that decision? Elsa, if you want to start. And like in the very first idea of uh, making a film about stray dogs, we thought about a film which uh, doesn't have a word in the film. So it, which is just ruled by the language of, of dogs and about their sounds and noises. But then soon we realized, especially of course with the connection, uh, is that we need a, um, something drawing in the audience to understand what we really want, uh, which is to really observe dogs and to really look at them. And so we found, we researched a lot about uh, the image of animals in general in the way of storytelling, in fairy tales, in movies, uh, in cartoons, in YouTube videos and cat content. <laughs> so, and we wanted to break all these images in a way of how we look at animals. And for this, if you just show images of animals, it doesn't break anything. And so that's why we used the oldest way of narration with animals at all, which is fairy tale, which are fairy tales and human told stories. Um, so this is, this is a tool we, we found out to be very useful to catch the people and then change the perspective. Right. It reminds me of Blade Runner a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it, wow. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it just has that, the, the same, I don't know if it's the tone of the voice, the way the words are spoken, but it, when I first heard it, it, it reminded me of the very beginning of, of Blade Runner and 
Um, and then it puts, so it puts you in that idea of this is something heightened. This is a, this is a tale that is, that means, that says more than it, it would, it might appear at first glance. And, uh, yeah, it's it's remarkable. I I want to remind our listeners that we are talking with the uh, the co-director, co-producers, and co-writers of this amazing film called Space Dogs. That would be Elsa Kremza and Levin Peter, and it is coming out here in in um, Los Angeles starting on September 11th. It'll be screening at the Alamo Draft House and Lemley Theaters in a virtual theater arrangement, and then it will be released wide world over the U.S. and Canada on September 18th. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the how the script evolved, how the film evolved in the sense that you said you showed up, even you, sh- you showed would show up at places that you knew that they would go to or you expected them to be. Did they take you into directions in terms of telling the story that were unexpected? Uh, how did it impact the final product in terms of where they went? and how they kind of navigated the, around the city? I mean, generally, we, we work with scripts. Um, this is kind of part of our technique that we, that, that we also did other films with. So, uh, and it's our tool to, to combat um, uncertainty. Because when you go the first time to Moscow with, with this idea of this film, and, and you, of course, you know, there's nothing you can control, uh, but we want control. And, and, and we, we had certain images and, and storylines in, in mind. So, yeah, you can imagine the two of us very well prepared. Almost every minute of the film we imagined, we wrote everything down, sorted it, yeah, on, on different storyboard, yeah. yeah, like sto- storyboard like. But this, of course, gave us the confidence to stay there and watch them sleeping for four hours, and nothing happens. So this is the main contrast. All the time happened. We came with a big plan to the set. We called it even the set, <laughs> the space where they normally have been, and and then nothing happened. And nothing, really, nothing <laughs> happened. So. Yeah, this, this, I mean, this was, this is the first thing that comes to my mind when you, when you ask me about the storyline, because this was the reality. What you see is a condensate of long-term shooting. Uh, with very long days. With long days and <laughs> lots, a lot of material. But we were patient enough to realize that some, some things in between the pack of dogs are becoming something that you could slowly start to name storylines. They had fightings um, that were rising. And um, yeah, we we tried to analyze the situations as much as we could to be able to decide uh, which path to follow. And um, as as I said, very early, this youngest dog was the... Yeah, was was the most interesting one because he he was curious to towards things. He yeah. he wanted to know things. He wanted to understand things. So yeah. uh, we were very lucky to f- to focus on on him and also the the archive footage that we already knew gave us some perspectives on on what what to follow, like this mating in the end of the film, right? Uh, right. We, we waited for because we knew this this mating of former cosmonaut dogs 
is a very interesting part of the archival footage. So, of course, we waited for the, the real life. Yeah, the wedding, right? The wedding. Well, in, yeah, in that regard, the Leica and the, I'll just call it the other dog, the companion to Leica, they seem to have some issues. Uh, and I wasn't quite sure if that is, did you observe that as sort of a normal part of the, of what the dogs, the wild dogs in Moscow, did they, they seem to go at it in terms of fighting. And then there'd be times when they seem very protective of one another. Was that just a, something you observed over time? It was a normal pattern or was there something unique about that? Um, I, I saw it as a, as a, intense friendship with love and hate. <laughs> so in a way, very, very personal thing amongst the two very strange characters <laughs> yeah, who liked each other. But yeah, I think uh, what we did not expect uh, with two characters to happen that they or with a pack of dogs to happen that they uh, finally seem to enjoy cracking cars, uh, like these strange uh, things, of course, were not part of our script. Yeah, what was that? I, I, when I'm watching this, I, I thought, well, maybe as a trick, you put some food under the hood so that, to get them to react that way. But that's not... Everyone is asking that, and I would ask the same if I just see the film. But no, they did it all the time. They were just biting randomly, and they loved new cars. I don't know why. They had a love for cars in a way, and I find this very... Like one of the most touching things of this film, of the, the shooting of this film, that you realize you don't have any, we humans don't have any idea about their life. And then you just realize that they have their own things they enjoy and we cannot explain it because there is no real natural uh, biological explanation for dogs biting into cars. <laughs> not that I know. <laughs> I did not find food or, or anything there. It was, I think it was about uh, enjoying being a, a gang cracking cars. <laughs> <laughs> It was also like our main, one of our main questions, I would say. We always ask ourselves like, what could they might, how could they possibly understand the filming situation? What, what, what could they think about what is going on? Because five I mean, people of, running after yeah. the camera. And <laughs> we, we changed their whole life. And I think this is obvious when, when you also see the, the film. And if you imagine, yeah, a, a big crew putting all their attention towards these dogs. And normally they are not they are not watched there is no big attention towards them and now we are there every day and really looking at them and this is was really interesting when we realized no they they really start to show off i mean they they really move differently they somehow understood that this camera is something giving the main attention to them. Like the camera person is, is really following whatever they do. So they tricked, they tested us, they, they, they became more playful. And maybe this is, refers best to your question before. Maybe this, this situation of them enjoying being filmed, if we could name it like this, maybe this changed generation the most. Because mm -hmm. they... Of, of course, they did things they would have would not have done without our presence. I Maybe. Think. <laughs> I'm well, sure. that, and I found myself as the film progresses. I found my I, I found myself trying to figure out what was going through their minds in terms of their reaction to other dogs, the search for food, 
of whatever it was, trying to really understand what they were doing. And then when I'm watching the archival footage of those dogs in space on the centrifuge or in the, in the capsule, I'm now trying to figure out what could possibly be going through their minds. And I, I, th I think as we understand more and more about animals and that it, it was so easy to dismiss them as not having any kind of feelings or understanding the world around them. We, we've evolved to a point now where we understand a lot more that that's not the case. So I can't imagine what would be going through a dog strapped into a capsule hurling through space for how many weeks or days or whatever it was. I, I just, it, so you can't help but become sort of emotionally involved in what they're thinking and what they're doing. And that really pulled me in. I mean, I was, I was already in the film, but I mean, it really kind of another level of trying to understand what was going on uh, in watching this film. So I don't know if I question, I just <laughs> I wanted to observe that. Does that sort of line up with your, with your experience as well? Yeah. Uh, this was something um, we really looked for that we that we can um, open this uh, kind of view on them because yeah it's it's so hard to imagine uh, what what they thought <laughs> yeah and I really liked during making of the film uh, I really liked the idea of uh, understanding that we cannot know and uh, that there is not an answer but that our feelings towards them cannot be totally wrong. Right. Or feeling of, um, they seem to be in love. Of course, there is no proof, and in the moment, no scientist can can name that if dogs can fall in love in a way, or if it's just a biological fact that they mate. Um, but when we see love happening between some strangers on the street, and then you know, yes, they are in love. I'm sure. Why shouldn't you be with dogs? That's what I ask myself. Well, I also would say we should respect what we may not know, right? Mm -hmm. We should respect that, w although we can't provide an, an absolute scientifically based answer to those questions, we at least should have enough empathy and, and sophistication to acknowledge, to respect what it is that's going on between those dogs and, and understand that. Um, it, I cannot uh, say how much uh, I, I enjoyed the film. It, 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 it just is not like, I haven't seen many films that like this. I, I can't think of it. I was going to ask you, in terms of influences of your, in terms of your careers as filmmakers, are there filmmakers that maybe people would say inspired this film or inspire you as filmmakers? Yeah, definitely. Uh it's uh, yeah one one big um, uh, role model in a way or not role model but uh, a hero of, for of cinema for us personally is Miguel Gomes, um, especially with his uh, film Arabian Nights the trilogy. This was uh, extraordinary, inspiring for space dogs, especially in the in terms of combining magic realism with documentary parts. Um, so this was a thing. Arabian Nights. Yeah. Okay. Even how about yourself? You, in terms of filmmakers and. I mean, we we really think film by film. Um, so far, I mean, it's not 
not a long career we, we have behind, <laughs> but, but still, the, the films we did, we really started, I, I mean, even now when we work on, work on a new thing, we, we try to search for, for, yeah, for new, new heroes that, that will inspire us. Um, so, yeah, I said that this was, in, in terms of how to narrate this, we, mm -hmm. we got main inspiration maybe by Stanislav Lem, Solaris, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide Through the Galaxy. Um, the books, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. These, these were more the, the novels that we, that were especially interesting for us to, to find the right tone because we had this tone all the time in our, in our mind and we discussed about it, but it's a different thing to, to read um, this tone in a book and feel like, yeah, this, this feels right. I mean, this, this is a path we could follow. Sorry. One last question before you. How much went into editing this? How long did you edit this film? It was about 10 months uh, of a, with a lot of pain. <laughs> I would imagine. I'd imagine this was a difficult film to edit. Just yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah. We really enjoyed the very last, uh, very, very last weeks when we finally, when once this, this big, big knot was somehow open and then we could just make our adjustments and, and enjoy finally <laughs> that it works and then we can make it better. But yeah. before it was really, uh, partly really horrible. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we're 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 the better for it. I want to thank you both so very much for agreeing to come on Film School Radio and for this work, Space Dogs. Again, it's coming out here in Los Angeles on September 11th at the Alamo Craft House and Lemley Theaters for an exclusive premiere here. And then a week later on Friday, September 18th, it will be screening across the country in in Canada. Boy, what a ride! What a ride this is, and uh, my congratulations to, to both of you, co-directors, co-producers, and co-writers, Elsa Kremza and Levin Peter. Thank you very much for being here on Film School Radio. Thank you so much for having Thank us. Thanks for the conversation. <laughs> You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.